Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. How's it going, Denver? Land of uh, many championships. Turns out Sandy Clough on my left. I'm Sean Trotar. Danny Bailey in the booth. Want your feedback today, of course, as we're still uh, basking in the glow of the Denver Nuggets. First NBA championship, 303-831-1340 is that number. Uh, I joked about it a little bit yesterday, Sandy, that uh, wasn't going to last for much longer. And as it turns out, it was only a few hours. But for a small <laughs> amount of time, almost 24 hours, the, uh, the fair city of Denver was home of both the Larry O'Brien Trophy for the NBA and the Stanley Cup. Because no other team had yet claimed it. Of course, Vegas did uh, last night. And thinking of how sort of unlikely it is at many times to have this kind of run in a town. And, you know, you can talk about the, uh, we'll hear a little bit from Josh Kroenke later in the show. But uh, what a run the, the that ownership group is on when you consider, of course, the Rams. And uh, even if you want to go to, the say, the, the Mammoth or other otherwise, I mean, a lot of, uh, championships coming in, but the idea of going back to back with your title in the NHL, your title in the NBA, and moreover doing it in dominant fashion in both cases, both teams going 16 and four during their playoff runs. Um, we thought about the idea of, you know, it has to be a nearly unprecedented turns out. Well, it is. It is. Yes. When you're talking again about NBA, NHL, NHL, NBA titles, same city, back to back. Yeah, not no Super Bowls or no, we're not, we get it. We're, we're not talking about these two sports. We're not talking about Major League Baseball. We're not talking about the National Football League. I I get that the Dodgers and Lakers have had uh, championship success at, at similar times, and and there are other examples, but strictly with respect to the NBA and the NHL, or the NHL and the NBA. No city from June to June, May to May, has celebrated championships in both sports. And it's a rare occasion that you have two first-time champions, as we do right now with the Denver Nuggets and the Las Vegas Golden Knights, Mm -hmm. who went to the Stanley Cup final in their first year of existence, but did not win. And helped by some people who actually played for Washington, and mm-hmm. that was the team that beat Las Vegas. Well, this one helped by uh, ex-Capitals. Uh, Ex-Florida least, Panther Jonathan Marsh. So. At least one. <laughs> as at least well, one. And, of course, a former the, uh, Florida Panther, night. right? Uh, Las Vegas wins 9-3 last night and wins <laughs> yeah. the series four games to one uh, in very similar style uh, to the way in which the Nuggets disposed of the heat in five games by uh, four games to one. And way, sorry, so this uh, is, uh, this is a first. Sorry, fans in Miami. That's a rough 48 uh, oh, hours. Man, uh, for South Florida, Ouch. very, very rough sunrise in Miami uh, to speak uh, more precisely about it. Uh, of course, the Florida Panthers uh, playing in sunrise and uh, the Miami heat uh, still actually in the city of Miami. Here's what's also unusual, if not unprecedented. Going into next season, the early odds on the Denver Nuggets are placed 
at plus 475. Okay. They are the favorites, as champions often are, to repeat the following season. Certainly within days of winning their championship, when the odds come out, the preliminary odds for the following season, almost always the champion is either a favorite or a virtual co-favorite. That is not the case with Las Vegas, by the way. But here in Denver, the Denver Nuggets are plus 475 to repeat next year's NBA champions. The Colorado Avalanche are plus 800, and the Avs are the favorites to win the Stanley Cup in 2023-24. Hmm. Now, that is unusual, that is and unusual. I can't say it's unprecedented because I haven't checked it out. But it is unusual but that the, the, unusual the champs, that, that, or at least one of the finalists, that the champs, uh, and the, uh, Florida's plus 1,800, and Las Vegas is plus 1,400. Uh, it's the Avs at plus 800 as the favorites, Edmonton plus 900, Boston plus 1,000, Toronto and Carolina plus 1,200, New Jersey and the Rangers plus 1,400 along with Las Vegas, Dallas plus 1,600, Florida plus 1,800, and everybody else is plus 2,200 or more to win the Stanley Cup next year. So the Avs are favored at plus 800. Uh, In the NBA, it's uh, Denver at plus 475 and Boston at plus 575 as the uh, two leading favorites, uh, Boston out of the east, of course, and Denver out of the west, uh, to meet next year in the NBA Finals. And I, I quite frankly, I mean, I the think... The matchup that some people thought would take place this year. Yeah, I, that wouldn't shock me. I mean, I think um, I think Milwaukee's maybe getting a short end of the stick well, there. Well, no, but... I mean, I, I wouldn't say that. I mean, Milwaukee's plus 700. Right. They come in at number three. Uh, Philadelphia is plus 850. I'm looking for those under yeah, I mean, 1,000. And that... And, uh, plus 1,000 or more, so. that's everybody else. Actually, plus 1,200 or more, that's everybody else in the association. Only four teams are below plus 1,000. Denver, Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia. Uh, that's I, I'm sorry, I misspoke. Phoenix is the fourth team, not Philadelphia. Mm, Philadelphia yeah. is plus 1,200. Phoenix plus 850 with Booker and Durant and the anticipation that they may add a star somewhere along the line during uh, the offseason. Some of the uh, uh, Laker rumors center on the possibility that Chris Paul could be going back to Los Angeles but not to play for the Clippers again, rather the Lakers next year, Uh, to which I say with all due respect to Chris Paul, uh, in his late 30s, I can't imagine that he would do much if that's the only addition they make uh, to uh, increase the Laker chances, uh, which right now would be plus 1,200 for next year to win the NBA title. If you take a look at at, at the way that NBA kind of shakes out, too, it shows that, that the habits are, are hard to break around the league, right? The idea that, uh, you know, where else would they go? To another big, a big star team again, right? That's got to be the first thing that everyone thinks about. It's always about those big star teams, and it still is in this regard. So that's um, maybe a little disappointing, but it doesn't really matter because you are seeing, I think, to a certain extent, a sea change here for the NBA, in which it, it it may no longer, and it's not just Denver's title, it's also Milwaukee's title. The idea that perhaps the super team approach, which is on its way out, 
by nature of this new CBA anyway, which makes the league and the players a lot more money, but puts a little more restrictions on it. You look at what the Nuggets are doing, and all of a sudden, they make far and away the most sense to me. Not only are they the champs, but given the fact that this is how things are going to work going forward, the Nuggets have built something that at least with highly paid players, and the Nuggets do have three max players, in Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Michael Porter Jr., they found a way to make it at least somewhat sustainable, whereas it seems like your Lakers and your Suns are scrambling year to year to find another star to make the, to make the money work. Uh, it costs so many draft picks to get those kind of guys in trades now for the most part, or you hope that a, that a Chris Paul can kind of turn back the clock and, and injuries don't get him. I get why the Nuggets are the favorites. I mean, to me, that makes perfect sense. There's one player in their rotation in the playoffs uh, that is up in the air, and that is Bruce Brown, who has indicated course immediately right after the game of course he's going to talk about wanting to run it back the reality is he's probably going to make two and a half times what he made this year and it's going to be hard to say no to that but the nuggets had plans for that as we've seen uh, christian brown has accelerated and then by the end had taken all of jeff green's minutes uh it's not going to five right it's going to be a little difficult now can he accelerate up and take bruce brown's minutes uh maybe Maybe. And then maybe. I mean, if you're looking at Bruce Brown as 25 to 30, and right now, I mean, today, Christian Brown would be a 20 to 25 minute a game player. Mm-hmm. He's graduated to that point. I think so. Then taking him from 20 to 25 to 25 to 30 is not a big jump. It's now, not. if it was 10 to 15 to 25 to 30, uh, I'd have more questions, and I'd say the Nuggets need to add a player. Not not necessarily a star, but a player. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they necessarily need to add even anyone to their bench at the present time. They don't seem to have any desire or need to uh, move pieces around in order to make any move that would be considered uh, radical. Uh, that is probably true with Boston to a slightly lesser extent. Boston seems to want to run it back with the head coach and most all of the players. There's talk that they're interested in doing uh, a max deal with Jalen Brown, for example. Uh, They haven't soured on him. But every other team, Miami needs to add a star. Uh, Philly needs to add a player with or without James Harden. Phoenix needs to add on, as we discussed. The Lakers need to add on. And you're talking about stars, not just role players. The Nuggets don't even need to add a role player necessarily, even if they do lose Bruce Brown. Uh, not necessarily. They really don't. And it will be interesting to see how it shakes out. And, you know, we'll we'll find out. The other thing is that perhaps you find another. Now, it's not easy to find another Bruce Brown, but there will be some flexibility in the cap. Somebody who 29 teams don't want, but the Nuggets can envision <laughs> well, playing a significant role. The nice for thing is, is they don't have to necessarily go that far. There are some guys that are going to roll off, presumably a DeAndre Jordan, uh, maybe even Jeff Green himself. There, there are guys oh, that roll off Oh, I think there the are a lot of guys who will roll off the roster. But and, and free up a little they're, bit of They're money. fairly easily. But uh, you, will, you will have, uh, let's just say, you know, maybe a $9 million or so to potentially replace Bruce Brown. Now, the difference is, can you find a guy that for that? I don't know. But I know now when you're the champs, you go, in many ways, to the top of the list. Let, let's take, it for example, the New England Patriots when they were winning all their Super Bowls, right? Every single veteran that got released that teams might have interest in, uh, it was if, if the Patriots wanted them, guess where they went? That's what happens when you're the champs. 
So all of a sudden, if Bruce Brown does leave and you look at that that hole in the Denver Nuggets rotation potentially, every player that might be a fit is going to wait for a call and see if the Denver Nuggets call him about it before going on to another team. You get to, to jump to the front of the line for the most part. Uh, can you outspend teams? No, but when you're talking about a kind of player that might fit in that salary range, you are going to get your pick of the litter in that in that case. And that's obviously a good sign for the Nuggets when, when you're going forward because that's the only guy that played significant minutes that's going to need replaced. That's it. That's right. Everybody else. And uh, Christian Brown, I think, is ready to take a step forward. I do also wonder, by the end of the year, uh, Peyton Watson looked like he was ready to take a step forward to maybe be the 10-minute a game player perhaps right. next year and if that's the case then you're right yeah then, yeah. then I, there's no I, real need to replace I, anybody i agree now I, you know george carl cautioned us uh, uh at least cautioned me yesterday on our podcast that uh, you know peyton uh, watson really until late in the season right. had no role whatsoever with this team it and is a asking bit of a projection. him even to do what bruce uh Jeff forget Green about did. Bruce Brown. Christian, uh, uh, Christian Brown, forget about uh, uh, Bruce Brown uh, to do what Christian Brown did or or even what Jeff Green did. Yeah. Honestly, even what Jeff Green did for most of the year. Jeff Green was not a five-minute-a-game player nope. for most of the year. He was in game five. You're correct. But for most of the year, he was a 20-minute-a-game guy. I think you go mm-hmm. back, look at the regular season minutes per game total. He's right around 20, maybe even a little over 20 on average minutes per game. So to ask Peyton Watson to go again, that's the big jump from zero to 20 and take a combination of uh, 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 greens minutes and, uh, you know, even, even Christian Brown's in the sense that if Bruce Brown is gone, Christian Brown goes way up, but then he, he's not playing as much as Bruce Brown did this year. Right. Probably. Within five minutes, six minutes, maybe per game, yes. But he's not taking all those minutes. Mm -hmm. So you're you're asking Watson to take fifteen to twenty, I would guess. And Uh, I'm not sure he's ready for that. That might be a leap. Yeah, five to ten. I I think you see. I think against certain teams, if there is a defensive matchup that's good for him, defensive matchup that's good for him, then yes, I could see him getting. 10 to 15 minutes against other teams. There won't be a matchup for him. Kind of the way it was with Christian Brown against the Lakers. Uh, as the series wore on, there didn't seem to be great matchups for Christian Brown, as opposed to Miami where there were two or three real good matchups mm-hmm. for Christian Brown. And there were some that were not, I mean, that's, that's, uh, and that's maybe the cautionary tale for, for Watson as well, the understanding that, hey, you know, this this may not happen right off the bat, obviously, and that's uh, the way things go. So, But that, that's you know, we'll impressive see. to see the Nuggets at plus 475 and the next closest team at plus 575. Yeah. And if the Nuggets had somehow lost this series, they probably wouldn't be plus 475, but if they were not favorites, they wouldn't be far from being favorites, even had they lost. And we all know they not only didn't lose, they dominated. And again, certain commentators are going to have to be educated, apparently. <laughs> on it. The only way that you can dominate, according to some, 
is to all but stuff the opponent through the basket as you're, at least proverbially speaking, dunking on them. Right. When more sophisticated observers will note that it is possible to dominate teams without physically humiliating them. Yep. Sure. Just, yeah. It's funny how... Domination comes in different forms, just as athleticism comes in different forms. Of course, of course. And uh, beyond jumping high and running fast. Uh, As we said, it's also been, uh, you know, this is your program as well. The Colin text line is 303-831-1340. So uh, we want to get your reaction, your text, and your calls. And uh, we do. uh, We've got Joe on the line. We've got Joe. Okay, thanks, Danny. Uh, Joe, welcome to the show. What can we do for you? Hey, guys, this is Joe. We met at uh, Top 14. I think it was round one. Yes, I do remember. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, I met you, I met your buddy Greg twice this week, actually. Just got back from a meeting with him. All right. Yeah. Well, this is, I mean, I was going to call you guys yesterday. I was just in this euphoria watching all the postgame stuff, uh, which I missed because I was downtown. It was a last-minute decision. Um, you know, it was Monday night is just it was just kind of just weird euphoria still still just trying to grasp what happened right and then the way it happened right I knew you know I knew they were going to beat these guys in the series it was just a matter of when right and and it just 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 a real moment and yesterday just going through all the post game stuff and local reactions things like that I, I purposely avoided the national stuff because I did not want anything to steal my joy yeah. and. <laughs> You know what I mean? And uh, it was just, just well, amazing. I, let me provide an observation for you as, as someone who is, uh, and I'm sure Sean's the same way, by the nature of our jobs, we sample a variety of uh, media outlets. Yes. And uh, let me say that uh, I think the respect and admiration accorded to a champion is, in fact, coming the Nuggets' way however grudgingly and grudgingly is the key word some people are still being dragged along a bit but listen uh anybody who watched virtually any one of the nba finals games knows how much better the nuggets were than the team that emerged from the eastern conference at least as the best playoff team, and that's the Miami Heat. And uh, no team was accorded more respect by the Nuggets in general and Nikola Jokic in particular during their playoff run than the Miami Heat. In Nikola Jokic's mind, the Nuggets beat the best that was out there in the Miami Heat. Given their background, their recent history, uh, the competitive fires that burn within Jimmy Butler, the brilliance of Spolster as a coach, uh, the excellence slash greatness of Pat Riley as a lead executive. In Jokic's mind, Miami's better than Boston. Miami's better than Milwaukee. Miami's better than Philadelphia, even if it didn't have to beat all those teams. And the Nuggets played against uh, the most star-studded teams in the Western Conference. Certainly Phoenix and the Lakers fit that description. And they slaughtered both of them. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you saw the stat about how many all stars that were in the playoffs. Eighty. That they beat. Eighty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, that was, that about, was yeah. incredible. Yeah, combined, the Nuggets you know, have one all-star. Yeah, and, and, and that's yeah. and if you count it, it's and just played against 80, 80, 80, 81, 81 80, appearances. 81 combined. appearances in all-star yep. games by members of teams of the, the Nuggets just beat. Yep. Most yep. anybody 16 times out of 20. Yep. I turned my New York in-laws into Nuggets fans by the Western Conference Finals. They could actually watch the games at a decent hour. And they became such Nuggets fans that they bought my wife and I tickets to game two. I mean, I, they've been used to watching the Knicks. I mean, can you blame them? Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, these are diehard Knicks fans, too, and they, all, they also hate the Heat, so that helps. <laughs> Uh, thanks, Joe. Really, pre- it's 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 good to hear, and obviously, it's great to hear the Nuggets fans having uh, a, a, such fun time with it, and ones that are longtime Nuggets fans uh, experiencing that that joy and the exuberance of being able to celebrate that title for the first time. Uh, enjoy it. Thanks for the call. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Appreciate thank you. It is. Um, yeah, I mean, they're watching the Knicks. I mean, guess you went. I, I know the Knicks have a good history, but goodness gracious, I mean, Sandy, you were a Knicks fan. It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, a little bit. 50 years. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, my brother lives back in New York. Uh, he's uh, traveled the world more than I have, of course, during uh, the course of his life and his career. Uh, but uh, he grew up a basketball fanatic, much as I did. And he was texting me as the game was ending uh, the other night, uh, fully cognizant of the brilliance of the Nuggets, uh, the unique qualities that uh, Jokic has, and we'll talk uh, about Jokic more specifically as we move along uh, today. And uh, uh, Marcus Thompson, the terrific uh, writer from The Athletic, uh, talked about the, I thought this was a great phrase, the malleability of Jokic's dominance. He is not Shaquille O'Neal. Right. Okay? Uh, Shaquille O'Neal was dominant in the sense that he simply physically overpowered people. And I thought it was a great phrase used by Marcus Thompson in a uh, long-form piece he wrote about the Nuggets, and Jokic in particular, the malleability of the dominance that Jokic exercised over these playoffs. Uh, It could be scoring, it could be rebounds, it could be assists, but know this, Nikola Jokic is far and away number one in the playoffs in scoring, rebounding, and playmaking. No one was even close in any one of the three categories. No player, no player in the history of the NBA playoffs has come close to leading in all three categories as Nikola Jokic did. Wilton 67 with respect to points and rebounds, certainly, but not assists. Well, we'll talk more about that and try to put it into perspective because what Nikola Jokic has done takes a little bit of time to digest. We'll do a little bit more of that next on Miley Sports. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Fun fact about me, I actually, yay, song. I know it's bright and cheery. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Because you know what? It's not raining. Sorry, Sean. It's not raining right now, which is actually really quite nice. So, you know, it's fine. It is a nice change. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it's kind of funny. I mean, it's not like it's going to throw me off. Danny, I'm a, I'm a professional. Wasn't even really a note to you. 
it's just more, you know, letting, letting people are calling and texting in going, wow, like, Sean hates fun, apparently. Because... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's perfectly comfortable. Yeah. Uh, although uh, the sun is shining today, it was perfectly comfortable yeah. on other days with uh, upbeat stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I yes. I mean, I, I don't entirely hate fun. I just sort of mostly hate fun. Yeah. The voice comes off exactly the way you'd think it was. It's sort of like a cartoon villain. Not a really serious one, but, you know, just kind of the cartoony one. The performance scene that you were alluding to by Nikola Jokic. Yes. Historic. It, it, it really is. It's unprecedented. Historic, and it's, iconic. It's hard for for people, I think, to wrap their head around it to a certain extent because it's it's so unprecedented. It, it's unfathomable. Yeah, the, what not, do you not do just with unprecedented. It? It's unfathomable, and I'm watching uh, commentators tie themselves up into pretzels, figuratively speaking, of course. Right, trying to sort of rectify their previous remarks mm-hmm. and not quite able to do so because no one likes to admit that he or she is completely full of it. You know? Right. And, or and, didn't and do now your you're having people, right. Or that you're lazy and you didn't bother doing your homework or you clearly never saw this person play this person being Jokic at any other point beyond the playoffs. And even then you had a predisposition toward disliking him or looking to diminish him or dismiss him in some form or fashion, and you can't do it. And, uh, you know, I have six comparisons mm-hmm. for Nikola Jokic. He is Sabonis with knees, a Shaq who willingly passes, a Duncan with the three ball, Walton with good feet, Mikan with athleticism, and Olajuwon, who became a willing playmaker during the course of his career, but never had the playmaking skill of a Jokic. No. No. And you say, well, Shaq and Olajuwon, you're kind of putting them into the non-playmaker category. Now, Shaq, by his own admission, was an unwilling passer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not unable, he's, he's but even unwilling joked about by that. his own admission. Right, yeah. And he joked with Jokic himself about right. that during the playoffs. Exactly. Um, uh, Olajuwon got better, and uh, I told the story before the great Alex English and I had a conversation on a bus ride from Houston to Dallas uh, back in the 1980s. The Nuggets had just played the Rockets who were a year or two removed from going to the NBA Finals, and Olajuwon was emerging as a great player. And he had put 50-plus on him, but the Nuggets had won the game uh, because no other Houston Rocket got involved. And Alex, during the course of the conversation, was explaining to me that once Olajuwon learned how to pass out of double teams, uh, the Houston Rockets would be champions. And... I don't know that Alex anticipated Michael Jordan leaving basketball for a couple of years, but during those seasons that Jordan missed, at least the one he missed entirely and the one he only joined at the end, Olajuwon and the Rockets did win consecutive championships, 1994 and 1995. But he is all those things. And I'm watching this fascinating 30 for 30 that uh, 
is is now complete. Uh, four parts on Bill Walton, uh, entitled "The Luckiest Man in the World," Walton's own description of his life and times, and it, it's it's amazing when you look at on the rare occasions Walton was healthy, how good he was. Right. Oh yeah. But it is also. I mean, I didn't get to see it at the time. But it also is it a reminder about crowning teams as dynasty teams before they've actually won more than one. Bill Walton's Portland Trailblazers won the 1976-77 NBA title. The next year, they were 49-33, and by the way, during the regular season that year, and when they played the Nuggets in the playoffs, the Nuggets had home court because the Nuggets had won their division, the Midwest division. Portland did not win its division. And the Nuggets had home court advantage. They had won more games. Portland still beat them in six. The next year, remember, 49 and 33. Portland started 50 and 10. And they're playing Philadelphia, the team they had just routed the previous year in the finals. And Bill Walton is coming down the court, and all of a sudden, he jumps, he comes down, and he basically cannot move. And it's his left foot, I believe. The right foot would also break down later on in his career. But it was left foot the first time it happened. And he had suffered a stress fracture, made the mistake, uh, with or without encouragement from the Portland medical staff, to try to come back uh, a week or two later and play as the playoffs are about to begin. And he basically uh, broke his foot in half in the process of trying to play with a stress yeah. fracture, which they didn't know how to diagnose yeah, at the time. Totally different but time frame, it's a right. reminder that this Portland team that everybody said would win at least two in a row and probably four or five championships. They had Walton. They had Maurice Lucas. Uh, they had a terrific backcourt. They were the fastest team in the league and a great coach in Jack Ramsey. They were going to win four or five titles. They just demolished the Philadelphia 76ers, who were the best team in the NBA in the 76-77 season, led by Julius Irving and George McGinnis and a host of other talented players. They start 50-10 and 10 the following year. Walton gets hurt. They can't even get out of the first round of the playoffs. Seattle beats them. So much for the dynasty. Over. That's... And Walton asks to be traded yeah. shortly thereafter because he feels he's been wronged by the medical staff in Portland. That's always the concern, I think, when you look at the idea. And the, the Nuggets did nothing wrong. They did what everybody does. You know, oh, we, we, we got one. We're immediately, we're going to go back and get another one, you know, right off, right off the bat. And Michael Malone said it, player said it, and that, that's fine. The enthusiasm of the moment, and you completely understand it. For, the last, for the last say. couple years, yeah, the Avalanche had been believing and Avalanche fans have been believing, oh, this, this is a dynasty when it happened. They could have been three, four of them. Maybe, but things happen. These things happen. And the truth is that long playoff runs. It doesn't mean ha- the Avs can't win another one. It doesn't. They're the fa- as we pointed out, they're the favorites to win. It. They're the favorites in Vegas where the champs play right now to win next year. But but it becomes, I think where we consume everything so quickly, it becomes yes. tempting to just go, what's the next thing? Right. Look, truth everybody's is, looking for the next sometimes thing. Sometimes there is no next thing. Sometimes the next sometimes thing, this the is it. Sometimes the title is the next thing. This is it. 
When's the next time you think the Colorado Rockies are going to go to the World Series? Just ask yourself that. It's, it's laughable now. Laughable. But there was talk that 2007 was only the beginning, and you remember it well, don't you? Mm-hmm. And you get why people might think it, but the truth is, no, of course not. Of course not. And, and they never came close to getting I, back to the you World know, Series. Great. Uh, maybe the Nuggets will have a chance to repeat. It's entirely possible. It really is entirely possible. And uh, it's going to happen or it won't. So don't rush. You know what I mean? I mean, what, what's, what's the concern here? And I, I, I get the excitement, but sometimes we can be so worried about what's next is you don't enjoy what's now. And when the Denver Nuggets, and, you know, they've been saying 47 years, 47 years. Okay, that's the NBA history. I don't even count that because there have been basketball fans in this town that have rooted for this team before it joined the NBA. This team started in 1968. Let me do the quick math. That's 55 years. 55 years to win a title. Enjoy this one. Yeah. I mean, you don't know. And you right. know what? If it does, great. That not that a great, pleasant surprise? And we'll enjoy doing this run all over again next year. But don't be in such a rush to worry about what's next, even though I get it. We talked about the Bruce Brown thing in the opening segment that, that they are well-positioned to make another run. But you know who else was well-positioned to make another run at the beginning of last year? Colorado Avalanche. And injuries. And they lost in the first round of the playoffs. And they lost in the first all round the injuries. To, a, to a second team. And they had team. a terrific regular season. Yep. And the interesting thing about the Nuggets this year, in contrast to Nuggets teams of the past, was that they had a nice regular season, but 53 wins usually aren't enough to win a conference. It was enough this year because there was so much mediocrity in the regular season, at least, in the Western Conference. Actually, in the playoffs, the Eastern Conference was the more mediocre conference because the number one seed went out right away. That was Milwaukee against Miami. And the number two seed, of course, lost three games at home in the Eastern Conference Finals to the same Miami Heat. The point being that the Nuggets intelligently didn't exactly put a priority on storming down the stretch with quote-unquote momentum going into the playoffs. They lost 10 of their last 17 games. Right. And people took that seriously. And what happened was the Nuggets made a decision to give Jokic, who had a minor injury, a significant break. He didn't play in many of those 17 games to close out the season. He wasn't going for the MVP, already won it twice, and even the Nuggets, though they didn't like the criticism of Jokic, and Jokic didn't like the criticism of Jokic either. He was less outspoken about it. But they knew what their objective was. And in Philadelphia, the objective was to get Joel Embiid an MVP. Right. And that trumped any particular focus on winning a championship. It was simply more important to the Philadelphia organization to get Embiid his MVP. And the only person I believe in the organization who thought the championship was a higher objective was the guy who got fired. 
who happened to be the head coach. Right. I agree with that. And you know what? In the end, Joel Embiid's MVP and its constant uh, lobbying for it. Let's put it in a little bit of reference here. It allowed the Denver Nuggets to ease back on Nikola Jokic's minutes as opposed to maybe have him try to get a couple extra assists and get it get all the way back up to a triple-double and earn it. But the fact that it, that it got put aside and it kind of got derailed gave Jokic the break to let him play 40-plus minutes a night as the best player in the world all the way to a title. So you know what? Thanks, Joel Embiid. Thanks, Sixers. Enjoy it. You got your MVP. Now Denver's two-time MVP has a finals MVP, and I can tell you which one he likes better. I'll tell you that one right now. That's that one. Uh, we'll hear a little bit from Josh Kroenke coming up next. Had an interesting thing to discuss about it. And, of course, uh, Nikola Jokic also had a chance to maybe put a little heat on him. We'll share it next on Miley Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. The Denver Nuggets, of course, we talked about the ownership group, of course, has been rolling. We talked about the Avalanche, of course, and the, the, the Rams. You can even go down to the lower profile sports and you can look at the mammoth and and go from there but the the group has had a, a tremendous amount of success and there's multiple ways of doing it now if you were the, the rams for example uh we know about the f them picks from last need and we know about the the idea of making trades and trying to develop a basically a one one swing at it uh style which it worked out for that's basically what the rams did including adding von miller just took one big cut uh, and, and it worked. And of course, after that, it's, you know, they've had to disassemble it and they'll start over. The Avalanche and the Nuggets, though, have been assembled in two different ways. It's been very different. Oh, very different from the way the Rams were built. And no in the Nuggets case, when you're talking about recent champion teams, with the notable exception, by the way, again, of the Milwaukee Bucks, who drafted and, well, they did not draft Giannis, traded for uh, Giannis and then. Uh, they, I'm, I'm sorry, I got that confused with, uh, with uh, Luka Doncic. I'm sorry, right. they, they did trade. They drafted Giannis. Yes, so they did. They, they drafted Giannis, Although, and then, and then he they was made, not. He was not a terribly high draft pick. No, and then they made trades around him when they got Holiday and to, to do that. So right. some similarities there, but the Nuggets right. for the most part uh, draft and develop, and then the trade for uh, Aaron Gordon, which was not as high a profile as for for Drew Holiday, and, but it's similar enough. But it's running counter to the way that. At least in the recent years, teams, including we saw the Lakers try to do it and the Suns try to do it, two teams that the Sun, the Nuggets directly vanquished on the way to their championship. Let's just make trades for stars and go from there. Josh Grockey had a chance to, to talk about it a little bit after the game, about, about how it, the process worked and about how it feels to have built a champion in many ways the old-fashioned way. You saw flashes along the way if you were paying attention. 
Um, I thought we were this good for a few years now. Um, we just needed to get healthy. And that was my one one wish this year was to get healthy and see how good we were. And uh, I thought we might have a chance to, as Nicola said, do something nice. And I think holding this, holding this thing feels pretty nice. I was just going to say, what you maybe visualized or thought that this would be like holding it, how does the reality of it compare? Um, it's even better. Uh, to finally have my hands on it and know that we earned it and we went about it in a in a way that some people very much doubted along the way, it feels very special. Uh, we didn't we didn't cut any corners. Um, we played for each other. Uh, we're all trying to do our best in our own individual roles, whether that's me and mine, Coach Malone and his, Calvin and his, um, and all the guys that aren't even here anymore, whether that's Tim Connolly, Gary Harris, Monty Morris, Will Barton, all those guys that helped help lay the ground. Paul Millsap. I mean, these guys helped lay the foundation of culture that's here today so when these players arrive they know what they're getting into and they know what we're about and that's winning first time in the city of denver what do you have to say to the nuggets fans that are taking this all in uh enjoy it this is for you this is for 57 years of history between 56 57 years of history between aba and the nba you guys have been waiting a long time so this is definitely for you and i knew that when we got here we wanted to figure out a way to stay and be in the conversation and i think these guys are going to be in the championship conversation for a long time We'll find out about it, but but the point he makes is is twofold. One that they they built this. They they did they didn't just outright purchase it. They built it, and that meant uh, even beyond. And I I thought the mention of players who aren't even here anymore, and and Tim Connolly, and uh, building this sort of culture. And I mean, you see that you saw uh, Monte Morris show up. In Miami, and Nikola Jokic lit up with uh, emotion more than you usually see him. I, there is the recognition, I think, from Josh Kroenke that this may be the team that won, but it wasn't just the people right here that got you there. I think is part of the angle that you believe can be sustainable from ownership. And I, I, I look, I understand I'm making it a little too easy here, but you look at the different ownership with the Colorado Rockies, with the, the Monfords, there, there's no culture with the Rockies except that we're just constantly convinced we're better than we are. The, the, there's no objective there. The Nuggets had an objective, and even understand when they got to the top of the mountain, they're not forgetting who got them there, and realize to a certain extent that, you know what, the guys that won this, Bruce Brown maybe won, Jeff Green maybe not, they may not be here, right. and you're going to have to build with with not only the other guys that are still here, but whoever you bring in needs to understand this is how we do things here. And it, honestly, even if you came back with exactly the same roster, the chemistry would be different. It, it always does. Human beings change. Their m- motivations become uh, different. It's never exactly the same uh, coming back the next year. And sports has a way of... Uh, uh, teaching you lessons Mm -hmm. and uh, the nuggets uh, certainly deserve uh, all the acclaim and the credit they are getting. Uh, But there were missteps along the way. And though it hasn't been acknowledged, Josh Kroenke did talk about the first real move he had to make when he took over this franchise, was dealing with a Carmelo Anthony situation, right. flying to Baltimore and talking to Anthony, who insisted uh, that he be traded uh, in uh, 
respectful manner, but still. But indicated uh, he's, he's uh, done. He, 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 he was didn't done want to be here anymore. And right. this is after two years where the Nuggets were championship contenders. Uh, one of the best three or four teams in, in all the NBA in 2008, 2009, and the following year, 2009, 2010. And the 2010 season finishes, and Anthony has to be traded. And along with all they got out of that trade in terms of existing players, they got a draft pick at the tail end that turned out to be the draft pick they used on Jamal Murray. Right. So to say that along with Josh Kroenke, Messiah Jerry wasn't part of this? Sure he was. It was his draft pick, right. the trade he executed. That George Carl wasn't a part of this because the Nuggets were a much better team without Carmelo Anthony than they had been with him, and they were damn good with him. Especially at, at the end, those last two full years that Carmelo played in Denver. They make the trade, and first of all, it's a brilliant trade made by Masai uh, that might have even in the long term turned out better than the much celebrated Kiki Vandaway deal to Portland that brought Calvin Nat, Fat Lieber, Wayne Cooper Pretty good and draft choices along with those three players in exchange simply for Kiki Vandaway, who was a terrific offensive player here and yet that was the trade that gave the Nuggets championship contending status uh, in the mid-1980s, uh, at least three of the four years. The one year they weren't, Calvin Torres' Achilles heel on opening night, uh, Achilles tent on opening night, and uh, was out for the entire season. Uh, other three years in the mid-80s, uh, they were contending teams, and they uh, got the better of the Lakers, at least during the regular season, uh, during that, that period of time. Uh, and the Lakers are the best team in the league. So the credit should be dispersed, but it goes back even further and involves more people than Josh Kroenke imagined because without Messiah Jerry, the Nuggets would not have Jamal Murray. And without George Carl, they wouldn't have had the foundation built in 2013. And frankly, it took them 10 years to rebuild that foundation. They were one player away. In 2013, one player away, probably a center. Can you imagine that 2012-2013 team with a Jokic of 2023? And they got Jokic, as we all know, in the 41st pick. And Nikola Jokic was the first finals MVP to be drafted as late in the draft right. as 41. Overall, Dennis Johnson was a second-round pick when the league was smaller, fewer teams back in uh, – 1979, Dennis Johnson was a finals MVP, the great Dennis Johnson, who later went on to enjoy championship success with the Boston Celtics, and he was the 29th overall pick. Those are the two guys. The second rounders, finals MVP, Willis Reed twice, 1970-1973, the late great Willis Reed. Johnson, of course, in 79, uh, was the second rounder. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, but picked on the 29th overall pick. And, of course, Nikola Jokic in 2023. Uh, it, 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 it's just, uh, it, it's amazing. It, that, the list of MVPs in the finals 
who grew up overseas is longer than the list of finals MVPs who weren't drafted in the first round. And the, the second round uh, finals MVP, uh, you had Reed to the list uh, winning, uh, winning twice. But there were even fewer teams when Willis Reed was drafted. The, 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 what were there, eight teams, I think, in the NBA in 1964 when Willis Reed was drafted. So, obviously, a second-round pick. He was, I think he was 10th or 11th, something like that, overall. Uh, what I'm saying is that we, we really need to embrace this, and I think it is felt throughout the city because next to the Broncos, the Nuggets have a fan base that has gone through the most. And it took, uh, what, their 38th year, I believe, for the Broncos to become world champions. Mm -hmm. And with the Nuggets, it took even longer than that. Almost over 15 years longer. So this is a unique achievement in the annals of Denver sports history at the very least. We will have an opportunity to talk about this more. Of course, we want your interaction. The uh, number here is 303-831-1340. Pardon me, 831-1340. Uh, we're going to break this down with uh, one of the men that's been there the whole run. That would be our friend Vinny Benedetto from the Denver Gazette. He joins us next on My Life Sports.